0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, We're going to go ahead and dive right into it Um, uh, today. We're starting a new series, and this series is packed full of practical spirituality. And um, this is a message, a group of messages that I heard. They resonated with me to the point where I wanted to give them to you because of the way they impacted my life and. I am, I'm super excited about this. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about habits, 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 okay? Forming uphill habits, all right? And these are things that, um, like again, they're packed with transformational truth um, that if we would apply these things according to God's principles, that he would begin to do things that we, we couldn't even really believe could happen in our life, okay? So before we do that, just a couple of announcements that we have is that our life groups are going to be meeting back this um, Wednesday night. So I know some of you are excited about that. Um, And before I say that, thank you again to everybody who just joined in with the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. It has been a great time, at least I know for me. Um, What a great way to start off the year. What a great time in the presence of God. I hope that He spoke to you during this time. So um, going back to our life groups this Wednesday night, the 50-plus group will be meeting in here at 7 o'clock, and they're going to be going through um, some stuff called, Is God in Control? Isn't that right, Ronnie? Is God in Control? All right. This Wednesday, one lesson. Don't don't miss it, because you're going to find out if God's in control, all right? If you miss it, you'll never know, all right? So, is God in control? I don't know the answer. You have to come Wednesday, all right? It's going to be good. And I'm so thankful for Ronnie and Charlotte just hitting that up. And, um, and also, then, if you are um, in, in the group that's not in the 50-plus group, if you're in the younger group, um, and which I'm a part of, obviously, I mean, come on, um, we're going to be across the street in the cafe, and that's going to be a great time. We'll be doing that at 630. Um, also, um, if you need contribution records, go ahead and sign up in the back. We'll get that to you as well. Now, um, A couple other things that I want to announce is that some of you have expressed the desire to become a member at Freedom Christian Fellowship, and I got great news for you. Um, We finally got our DNA kits in and our blood testing kits in, and so we'll be able to do that now. We just need you to spit into something and prick your finger, and you'll be good. But we'll also tell you your your family heritage, all right? So uh, just joking. It's really so much easier than that. And to be honest with you, we believe more in covenant than we do in membership, all right? And I'm saying all this for a reason because starting next Sunday, we're going to be going through this process of what we call our growth track. It's going to be a little different. If you sign up to become uh, to join this, and really this is for people who are not already members, um, after worship, you'll be going into another room and um, going through that, all right? So make sure and sign up today. There'll be a sign-up sheet in the back um, that uh, Justin's putting out, and, um, and you make sure and sign up. It's going to be great, okay? And then we've got some other things launching out. Also, if you've enjoyed the time of prayer during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's not going to stop Every morning at 5.30, we'll be here. No, I'm no, stop. I'm done. I'm done with the little jokes. I got one more joke, but it's part of my message. Um, but we're going to be having prayer here on Saturday mornings at 9.30, okay? And I'm telling you, it will be transformational, and it will be great, okay? So join us for that, please. It's going to be amazing. All right, so let's get going talking about habits, and we're going to talk about one habit a week And um, really, really good. And here is why we're talking about habits. And uh, I'm sorry, one more thing. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand so the ushers can give you a handout if you need a handout. Because you can take notes alongside of that. what I'm saying today. And here's why we're talking about habits, okay. It's because we sometimes don't realize how our habits affect our life. And we have to kind of step back and get an understanding of the, the impact of our habits in our life. Because the truth is this, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. We're not what we perceive of ourselves. we're not what we think of ourselves. We are defined by what we repeatedly do. And here's something true about habits is that we form habits and then habits form us. We form habits and then habits form us. How many of you have have done that before? I remember, I think actually, um, I really became a coffee connoisseur when I started working here as a youth pastor. Uh, man, like the coffee culture in this church is phenomenal. We've got great coffee. We drink a lot of coffee, but I didn't realize the value of coffee until I came here, and I began to drink coffee, and then it felt like coffee began to just like drink me, you know what I'm saying? Like you're about it, right? And that's how habits work a lot in our life, and you can think about that for a second and say, hey, what are some of the things that I just kind of do in my life, and how did they start? And then, you know, do they form me? Are they controlling me? Are they forming me? Now, this isn't always bad. We don't nec- drinking coffee, let me just stop and say, drinking coffee is not a bad habit per se. Maybe if you're doing two or three pots a day, you need to wean back a little bit. But hey, drinking coffee isn't bad, and nor are all of our habits bad. But sometimes we have a tendency to pick up some habits that begin to define us and control us. And God wants us to take some time out and begin to look at what we need to do to form the right habits in our lives so we can get to where God calls us to be. Because if our habits, the things we take on, begin to form us, we need to make sure that we are doing the things that line up with the direction that God is calling us into. And see, the problem is this, is more times than not, the things that separate us from knowing and walking in the joy of the calling that God has called us to, sometimes are the simplest things that we've allowed to form in our life in the way of habits that are beginning to control us and move us out of the direction of the formation that God has for us. But I want to just make you smile and say, listen, God has a plan for that. Don't worry about that. If you find yourself in that place... God has a plan for that. And we're going to begin to talk about this over the next four weeks. So we're going to start our notes now. So if you have your notes, here's the first thing. Is that most people have uphill hopes, uphill hopes, and downhill habits. Uphill hopes and downhill habits. Nobody starts doing something in their life thinking, this is going to just take me down to the bottom Of the whole most of the time we begin to launch out and go look we want to do great things I mean isn't this the tendency we've talked about this I've talked about this before whenever we start a new year to begin to think about all of our uphill hopes I want to get in better shape I want to read more I want to spend more quality time with the people I love I want to advance in my job I want to get closer to God But oftentimes, the enemy of those uphill hopes are our downhill habits. The laziness of me not wanting to get up early enough in the morning to go work out. I don't want my body to be sore. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to get on the treadmill. I don't even really want to eat better. I think about it and I go, oh, candy or a carrot. And the choice is easy, right? My habits are controlling my hopes, And so what happens is this, is God has to rearrange that, and he has an order to do that. It's not easy when we go about looking at our lives in this perspective and saying, God, how can you begin to transform my habits so that they match my hopes, so that I can have uphill hopes and uphill habits. But when we embark on it, even it is not easy, and I want to be very clear about this, Even though the truths that we're going to talk about today are practical and they're rather simple, it's not easy, but it is transformational. So I want to begin to fill your heart with hope to say, no matter where you are today, if you want to get somewhere and it involves changing a habit, it will not be easy, but it will be transformational. It is challenging, but it's doable. It's challenging, but it's doable. Why? Because everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Is worth going and saying, God, would you challenge me, would you empower me by your grace, by the Holy Spirit, to begin to form some things inside of me so that I can develop uphill habits for my uphill hopes. God will help you because this is God's desire, and he has attached his principles... To help us grow our habits, so that they begin to match our calling. All right, let me let me give you a joke. All right, you guys ready for a joke? I'm gonna try not to mess this up. And if you've heard it before, don't tell your neighbor. All right, please don't ruin spoil my punchline. So a hunter is uh, was out hunting all day, and he was enjoying some few choice beverages, if you can read between the lines. And so on the way home, he gets pulled over, and the cop says. Sir, have you been drinking? And the hunter's like, No, I haven't been drinking. He said, All right, I need you to get out of the car. And he said, um, Hey, well, listen, do you um, want to go ahead and give me a breathalyzer? And he goes, No, no, sir, I, I can't give you a breathalyzer because I'm asthmatic. Cop says, oh, Okay, well, let's just go down to the station and you can give me a blood sample. And he said, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir, I can't do that because I'm a hemophiliac. I can't do that. I can't do that. And the cop said, well, oh, my goodness. All right, well, then I'll get a urine sample. He goes, no, sir, no, sir, I can't. I cannot do that. I can't do that because I'm diabetic. I can't do that. And then the cop finally said, well, then just walk this straight line. He said, no, sir, I can't do that. I'm drunk. <laughs> we have to can our excuses. We have to can our excuses. There's a lot of reasons why we don't want to challenge the downhill habits in our life. But God has called us to it and he has graced us with his Holy Spirit. And he has called us to his principles to help us develop uphill habits for our uphill hopes. All right. So let's talk about three things. Three things that will have to happen in order for our habits to be challenged. And again, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about a different habit each week. But there's three things that have to happen in our hearts in order for our habits to be challenged. The first thing is this. This is in your notes. You have to have hope for your future. You have to have hope for your future. If your habits are going to be challenged, you have to have hope for your future. One of the most amazing stories in the New Testament is the encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you remember that story, Jesus asks her to draw water from the well. And the woman rebuttals Jesus and says, hey, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. I wouldn't do this. She viewed it as unclean. And Jesus begins to dig a little deeper into this woman's life and says, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And she stammers there for a second and says, listen, I don't have a husband. She says, no, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, you have five husbands. And the man you're with now, the sixth man, he's not your husband. And immediately this, this woman is cut to the quick. But, but Jesus introduces something here. And I want to just kind of speak life into you about anything that you might, might face. If some of you are sitting here today and saying, God, I don't know if I can get out of this downhill habit this is where hope begins because Jesus says this, and I want you to look at this on the screen in John 4.10, and I'm reading from the message version here, the message translation. Jesus says this, answered her and said, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, here's what I'm telling you about hope concerning your habits is that you have to encounter the generosity and the goodness of God in your life because that is the source of hope. See, Jesus looked at the woman and said, Listen, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am, if you only knew. So can I say something to you this morning? If you're looking at me and saying, I don't know if I can get out of this habit. I don't know if I can begin to set God's order in my life. I want to say these words to you, but God... But God. See, because in every situation, God has a place and a pathway to begin to bring His goodness and His grace in your life. But God. And this is, in essence, what Jesus was saying to this Samaritan woman if you only knew, if you only knew the goodness of God, if you only knew the generosity of my Father, if you only knew who I was. You would ask me for something that would begin to set you free from the things that have kept you in bondage for so many years. And here's where hope begins. Hope for your future begins. It's not looking at your impossibilities, not looking at your mistakes, not looking at the failures of yourself or others in your life, not looking at the excuses of why you can't, but instead looking up to God and understanding that my change of directions, a transformation in my life comes when I begin to set hope in my heart and hope comes when I begin to look at Jesus as the giver of goodness and generosity for everything I need in my life. I want to just kind of pull from the example of the last 21 days. Now, I don't know again, I've heard bits and pieces from other people, but have you heard God speak to you? Maybe it's not been in the 21 days, but sometime before. Have you had a but God moment where one word from God changes everything? One encounter from God changes everything. This is where hope begins. I know that in my life over the last 21 days, as we begin to pray for unmistakable direction and joy in life and breakthrough, that I've heard God speak to me to begin to set some things in place, and this is the same thing that happened with the woman the Samaritan woman at the well that maybe I was coming in for one thing and I thought I understood it this way but God intervened and I encountered his goodness and his generosity and hope began to fill my heart here's my point is that it's only through the presence of Jesus that this comes Looking around the room, I I know the stories of many of you. I've heard your stories. I've heard how God has redeemed you from places, has healed your body, has restored your marriage, has brought you out of a place where you didn't think that your life was anything and put you on top of the foundation of his redeeming truth. I've heard it. And all that is is the hope of God measured out in his goodness and generosity. It's the same encounter that that woman at the well had. So it begins with having hope in our heart for a better future, locked in to the grace of God. Let me read to you another familiar passage in Jeremiah 29.11. We're reading from the NIV. This is something that we know by heart, many of us. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? To prosper you not to harm you, plans to give you a what? A hope and a future. What does God have in in store for you? How do we know that he is good and he is generous? Well, read the screen up there. That he has a future for you filled with hope. He has a future for, for you filled with his plans. Did you know that God spoke this to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, while Israel was in exile, while they were in a place of hopelessness, that God spoke to Israel in the darkest hour. And he spoke that and said, listen, I want to set your eyes on this place of understanding that if you look to me, not to yourself, that I'm going to restore hope in your heart. And so when we face these Habits that God is trying to reform in us. And we're asking the Holy Spirit to do. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your inability. Look and allow God to fill your heart with hope. The second thing is this. Repentance from the past. Repentance from the past. That's in your notes, the fill in the blank. A lot of times when we talk about repentance, it comes with a negative culture. Some of you have come from backgrounds where preachers have angrily preached repentance. And I want to tell you that that's not scriptural, nor is it right, nor does it reflect the heart of God. Anytime God called his people, whether it's Israel or a person, to repentance, he called them to that through his grace. Jesus echoed that message. And here is what repentance is. Repentance isn't declaring you're a failure. Repentance isn't something where condemnation fills your heart. As a matter of fact, condemnation and repentance are totally separate. See, there's life actually in repentance. And repentance is simply a change of course, a course correction. A course correction. What if we all took that time to find that place in our life? That place that's maybe a little off kilter, a place that needs some reworking and a change of a habit and said, God, I want to repent. I want to change course. We have to come to a place in our heart where we begin to say, God, I'm sorry that I did this my own way and I moved out of the place of your grace. And all it takes is simply saying, I'm going to allow your grace to come back into my life in this area, in this specific area, and begin to change the course of my life with the Holy Spirit's help. There's a a book that was written about recovery, people who were coming out of recovery from addictions. And it's called The Five Chapters of Recovery. And I'm going to paraphrase it and say it like this. In the first chapter it tells the story of a man walking down a path and there's a giant hole and he falls into the hole, It's deep hole and it takes him a long time to get out of this hole. The second chapter is this, a man walks down the same path with the same big hole and falls into the hole, this deep hole and it takes him a long time to get out. The third chapter is like this, a man walks down the same path with the same big hole and falls into the hole. This deep hole, and it takes him a long time to get out. The fourth chapter is like this. The man walks down the same path, comes to the edge of the hole. Instead of this time falling in, he stands at the edge of it, and he looks down into the deep hole. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to walk around this hole. But the fifth chapter is this. A man goes down a different path. And a lot of times in our life, this is the work of repentance. And God understands this in His grace. And I want you to hear something because in this parable that I just talked about, there's an example of God's truth is that even though we go down the same places in our life and we fall into the same deep hole, by God's grace, He pulls us out. But the place of transformation doesn't come in chapters 1 through 3 and it doesn't even come in 4. And some of us have gotten content in the place of chapter 4 where we say, this is that path, but I'm going to get as close as I can to it and then just skirt around it. Where God wants to take you is chapter 5. He wants to take you on a new path, and that path is filled with life. That's the purpose of repentance in our life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Again, another familiar passage. But this is exactly what Paul said in Philippians 3. 13 and 14. Look at it here. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Nope. There we go. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, I haven't I don't have it all figured out. There's times that I make mistakes. I understand that this journey that I am called to is going to be filled. And and I want to tell you something. Sometimes we've got to take our, our minds off of some of when we read the Bible, we have to take our minds off of sometimes making the characters of the Bible like God. We deify the people in the Bible that we read about. You know what that means? Is that we look at Paul like we look at God. But if you read the book of Acts, you see that Paul, Peter, James, John, all these guys, they made mistakes, that they fell into the hole from time to time. But here is what Paul's saying here in Philippians 3 as he's saying this I don't have it all figured out, but I'm coming to the place of understanding of running on the path of life that God has called me to. I'm changing and reversing the habits of my life to line up with the grace of the Holy Spirit and the calling that Jesus has given me. Number three, the formation of uphill habits. The formation of uphill habits. Let's read this passage in Romans 12, 2 from the message. It says this, instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops Well-formed maturity in you. This is the formation of an uphill habit. When we choose to allow God to begin to form in us the things necessary to bring us into the life He has called us to. And this is the good news, is that God will do this. God will form the very best in you if you choose to set your focus on Him. These three things we have to have in our life in order to change the habits that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. We have to have hope in our heart, the willingness to repent from things that we have tried to lead in our own ability so that we can step into the grace of God and the understanding that God will form uh, uphill habits in our life. All right? You guys good? All right. So let's talk about our first habit really quickly. Habit number one. This is the first habit we're talking about. Focus on what I do first. Focus on what I do first. First things are important. First things are so important in our life. I don't know how often you've ever thought about this how important first things are in in us. They say a lot about who we are, they tell us what we value. The first thing, think about this for a second, and think about the first thing you do in the morning. First thing I do in the morning is I typically get coffee because I value coffee, right? But what about the rest of our day? What about the things that we do next? They tell us what we value, the things that we do first. Listen, this, and we're going to discover this isn't a principle that I'm talking about. This isn't coming out of Andy. This is something that the, the Bible actually talks about when it comes to the formation of uphill habits. We have to pay attention to the things we do first. We have to pay attention to the things we do first because they tell us what we value, but they also tell us what we're allowing to empower us, what, is, what we're giving power to in our, in our life. Because first things have power. First things have power. Let's talk about this a little bit more, okay? So when we talk about focusing on what I do first, number one, we have to put God first. We have to put God first. Now this is simple. I know we've all heard this before. But we're going to talk through this a little bit and what this means. We have to put God first, I'm going to just make a bold statement to you, and I want you all to smile at me really big as I say this, okay? Because this is a a very bold, daring statement. Here we go. If God isn't first in your life, if God isn't first in your life, he's not in your life. If God isn't first in your life, he's not in your life. If you're not giving God first in your life, he's not in your life. I know that sounds harsh, but this is the reality because God isn't going to contend for second place in your life. He's he's not going to take second fiddle. He's not a second fiddle guy. He is first place. And you have to give him the first place in our life. As a matter of fact, this is the definition of Christianity is that when we begin to reorder the list of our life, allowing Jesus Christ to be first in every area of our life, And I'm not saying that necessarily we're going to talk about this, but that it's about going to church or about trying to obey every law that God has said. But I'm talking more about the areas of our soul and the areas of our action and our reactions. I touched a little bit on this last week. But God wants to be first in those areas. Listen to the first four words of the Bible. This is is how important first things are to God. Let me give you a little bit of scriptural reference on this see because God has always been first what are the first four words in the in the Bible in the beginning God what look at that do you see that the first four words in the Bible in the beginning God God has always been first he has always been before all things Here's the importance of that, is that when we allow God to be first, He gets to be the creator and the originator of His blessing in our life. I want to look at the first commandment also. In Exodus 20, 1-3, it says this, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me this is how important this idea of first was to God is that he looked at the Israelites after 400 years of captivity where they had been trained and and not not just trained but they lost sight of some of the the principles of God's heart but they had been trained in some other things of idol worship and when we when we talk about this it's it's little g the little gods and God spoke to them and said listen No more. I want you to put me first, and I don't want you to have any other little G gods before me. But today in our life, let's think about those little things. Let's think about those little things that we put before God. I'm not going to list them, but I want you to seriously, right now, take a second and think about them. The things that we value over sometimes making God first in our life. And it's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy those things, but they can't be first place in our life. Money can't be first place in our life. Job promotion can't be first place in our life. Putting relationships above God can't be first in our life. It's not that God doesn't want us to have those things, but they can't be first. And so the key to forming an uphill habit of getting our first things in order is putting God first. Putting him first gives him the power to move in our life and remove the obstacles that stand in the way of our growth. Number two. Number two. Give God the first of everything. Give God the first of everything. Now, oftentimes when you hear preachers talk about this, they're talking about money. But this doesn't just apply, and it's not just about money. And I want to show you this just really quick, okay? In Leviticus twenty-seven thirty, I want to read this to you and show you what God means. He says it right out of the gate here. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. When we talk about giving God, first, giving God uh, first of everything, here we see that this is everything. This is our heart. It's not just our money in our pocketbook. It's our heart. It's our attitude of our mind. It's the first in the in series of our life, the things that we order in our life. Look at Deuteronomy 14.23 with me, and I'm going to read from the Living Bible. This echoes this a little bit deeper says, bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to the tithes of your grain, the new wine, the olive oil, the firstborn of your flocks, the herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always, teach you always to put God first in your lives. When we talk about this idea of giving God the first of everything, he's looking at it as a whole. He's looking at it as a whole, a whole of your life. So I want to encourage you in some practical ways with this idea really quick, okay? What happens when we give God the first of my year? The first of my year. We just got out, today is the last day of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Do you know why um, we have done this in in the past years and we did it this year? Is because when we begin to give God the first of the year, he begins to open up his blessing, doesn't he? He begins to set things in order. Again, when we prayed about unmistakable direction, he began to answer these things. Now listen, I, I understand that if, and I'm not heaping any condemnation on anybody who didn't participate in this, and I'm in all sincerity, but this is the reason why we do this. It's because when we choose to give God the first of our year, he begins to honor and order and bless the rest of it. He begins to honor and order and bless the rest of it. This is why, as a church, we're going to do this every year. At the beginning of the year, that we're going to set aside the first 21 days to have a time of prayer and fasting. And again, I, I know we're past this at this point, but I, wanna, I just want to echo this. The fasting part of it, don't get tripped up and lost in that. There's a lot of different ways you fast. You don't have to just fast food. Many of you didn't just fast food. You fasted social media or you fasted something in your life that maybe took a little bit too much time in your life, but it was a sacrifice. But the value of setting that time aside and praying gives God the opportunity to begin to move and to set order so that even as a church, as a people, we don't get out of step and out of order. Well, hey, think about this for a second. And the value of this idea of first. How often do we struggle with the timing of God in our life? How often do we struggle with understanding what He's doing in our life? What would change in our life if we begin to make Him first in every area of our life? We give Him permission to move on the rest of the months of the year. What about the first of the month? The first of the month. I want to encourage you that in this, that if you're asking God to form some uphill habits in your life, and it begins with this idea of first things and making God first in every area of your life, and you say, God, I want you to rearrange my finances, what if you sat down, and if you're married, you sat down as a couple, and you began to budget? You begin to budget your finances and say, at the very beginning of the month, I'm going to order my finances in such a way that we're being responsible with this. And we're setting the things aside that we need to so that we don't find ourselves in a place in the month where we are scratching and and kicking and fighting for something that we don't have. But instead, God, we're going to trust you with this and allow you to give us wisdom in this area. Let's move past money and talk about time. What if we did that with our time at the beginning of a month? If we sat down, Kim and I have to sit down at the beginning of the month and have a face-to-face conversation because here's the truth. Text messaging doesn't get the job done. Uh, hey, honey, you know, we got this thing two, next Tuesday or two weeks from tomorrow. Doesn't get it done. Can I tell you all a funny, something funny that happened? I, it, if it, it was, all right. So <laughs> she's not here, so don't share this, all right. You guys are like, oh, you're in trouble, dude. I'm at a crossroads in my mind. It's a great story, but it could get me in trouble. <laughs> I, had a, I had a test that I had to run at a doctor that happened to fall on the Tuesday that all the ice took place. It wasn't a big deal test. It wasn't a major thing. And so it got rescheduled. And so my wife in our house is, the, is a planner. She is the detail person, okay? I'm the like, yeah, let's just do it guy, right? And so she, I said, honey, you know, will you reschedule that? Yeah, I will. no problem, okay. So last week we were talking. It was last uh, Tuesday evening, afternoon, and we were just sitting there and I said, hey, did the doctor ever call you back about that test? She looks at me and said, I didn't tell you? She said, yeah, we rescheduled it. It's coming up. I said, well, what day is it? She said, I don't know. I wrote it down on a notepad in in the office. I'm like, what? So I hurried up to the church, went in her office, and I looked at the notepad. It was the very next day, like at 11 o'clock. And I was supposed to, like, not eat certain things and that kind of thing. And I'm like, babe, babe. All of a sudden, my freakout mode went really high. And I got, I got twisted out of sorts, and I'm like, whoa. She's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Everything worked out good. But here's my point. Our life follows that schedule, doesn't it? When we don't sit down to order our life and put things first, God's plans first. But hey, what about this? In our families, or if you're single, do this. That at the beginning of the month, sit down and say, this is my schedule. And say, God, does it honor you? What if What if couples begin to do this and said, Look as a family, we wanna write down all the things that we gotta do through the week with our kids and with these areas of our life and the plans that we have, and then you stop and you pray and you say, God, are all these things honoring you? Are we putting you first in everything? See, here's what would happen is I know that sounds painful, and remember, go back to what I said at the beginning. This this isn't impossible, but it is challenging. It's not undoable, but it will take some effort. But here's what happens. Instead of letting our life get to the place where we're, we're pulling away and we're getting more and more of a chasm because we're busy and we're running and we're doing all these things, and I want to tell you something. Listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm a dad with a lot of kids that do a lot of things. Trust me. We can compare schedules after church if you want. I get it. But here's the reality is that when we don't give God time, to begin to set the first things in order and give him the first of everything in our life, we don't give him any room to bless it either. Now I want to stop and I want to bring it back just for a second because this is a transformation in letting God renew our mind and, and form those uphill habits that we read about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. But here's the thing, is that parents, if you're crying out for God to touch your kids in a radical way, but their schedules are so busy because you haven't stopped and said, God, can you put this in order? And because I want, this is, the, this is the value, this is the uphill habit that I want to form in my children's lives. Then you can't expect God to do that. But if you will stop and say at the beginning of the month to say this is what we're, we're planning for, this is what we're doing, then, and you say, God, does it line up with what you want? Then God will begin to bless it if you make sure God's in it. If at the beginning of the month you, you order your, your relationships correctly, God will begin to bless your relationships. If you make time for the relationships that count, God will begin to bless it. Let's move down one more. What about the first of my week? The first of my week. Do you know that in the Jewish faith, that Saturday is the Sabbath, the holy day, The day set aside for God. Do you know why it moved from Saturday to Sunday? It's because at the resurrection, it moved from a Sabbath to a celebration at the resurrection. It moved from a Sabbath to a celebration because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you a question in just all grace and just saying, think about this and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to you about it. But what would your life look like If you made God the first in your week. What would God look like if you made him the first in your week? What would God do in your life if you committed to 52 Sundays in a year to honor God? And this isn't my attempt to get you in church and steady you in church. This isn't. Because this is a principle that God set in place. And he said this day would be a day of worship, would be a day of worship, and a day of rest. A day of worship and a day of rest. But what if you had a true celebration day every Sunday at the beginning of your week where God was first, that was dedicated to this principle of worshiping Him and resting. We don't live in a world anymore where anything is shut down and closed. Some of you can remember the day when Sunday, everything shut down. But I want to encourage you to get back to that place. And on Sunday, this is what you need to do, is that you need to be in church, and if it's not here, be in church and fellowship somewhere. And I promise you this, this is a statement that Pastor Monty made that I stand by, is that if you give us six months of your life, not one in every three, not one in every four, or two in every five, but every Sunday, if you give us six months of your life, God will begin to transform and touch your life in a way that will make it unrecognizable. I promise you that. And all I can do is promise and say, go ahead and take me up on the offer. But what if you spent time fellowshipping with God and worshiping God, and then you went home and you ate a great meal with your family around a table of any kind? And you enjoyed each other, but then, wait for it, wait for it, you came home after that and you took a nap. You took a nap and you just rested. You didn't try to finish up the rest of the chores from the week. You didn't just go through and say, there's so much to do that if I don't do it. Why? Because, see, this is actually God's pattern for rejuvenating you. For rejuvenating you. Because I promise you that if you give God one day, He'll bless the other six. He'll bless the other six. He'll do it. You'll be able to do more in the six than you did in the seven with your own effort. He'll bless it. How about the first of my day? The first of my day. My mom used to wake me up every morning and'd say, "Rise and shine, give God the glory." And I used to go, in my mind, "Shut up, woman." I promise you. She also used to answer the phone, Praise the Lord, which freaked out my friends. But this is the day that the Lord has made. What happens when we begin to give? And I'm just offering this up, not as something that you have to do, but just think about it. Let the grace of God touch your heart on it. We give Him the first of our thoughts. And see, this is something that I would encourage you to ideally make maybe the first part of your day. And I'm, I'm challenged with this. And this is particularly why this struck me. This message struck me. and something that I'm forming in my own life. And I want to talk to you for about this for just a second. About the first 15. The first 15. What would your day look like if you gave God the first 15 365 days of the year? Here's what I mean about the first 15. It's really simple. Five minutes in the Word. Five minutes in the Word. And for most of us, that's about a chapter in the Bible. Maybe a chapter and a half. And you can start in the Psalms or Proverbs or in the New Testament or anywhere you choose. That's one chapter a day because as you read the Word, the truth gets in you. The promises get in you. And then five minutes in worship. Five minutes in worship. That's literally one worship song. I love the last song that we sang today. To you are all things, and from you are all things. You deserve the glory. And if you just put that on in the morning, you just say, God, I'm just gonna let that song be sung over me and sing with that song and just worship in that song for five minutes. That's that's one time, one time. And then finally, five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, it's okay. I want to encourage you if that if you're struggling in this area. Come, come on Saturday mornings at 9.30. We'll teach you how to pray. It's not as hard as you think. It's simple communication with God. Identify the beauty of who He is. Thank Him for the, who He is, for His grace. Thank Jesus for the work of the cross. Invite Him into your life. And maybe fi- close out in your time of prayer saying, God, help me in these areas of my life. Help me to form some uphill habits. Help me to form an uphill habit in this relationship or... Help me to do these things that honor you. Give me your grace and your strength to do this. That's the first 15 of your day. Now, I'm not saying it has to be the first of your day, but I promise you, because God is a God of first, that if we begin to set this out and say, God, I'm going to give you the first 15 of my day, it might mean you wake up 15 minutes earlier. But see what God does. Because here's the last thing, and it's this. Expect God to bless the rest, to bless the rest. God will bless the rest. When I give God the first, He blesses the rest. Proverbs 3, 6, 9, and 10, it says this In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop and your barns, and you will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim with new wine. Expect God to bless the rest. Amen. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus today. As we come to your word. And Lord, every one of us are in a place where we are looking at our lives. And allowing you to look into our lives. And God, if there's some habits in our life. That need to be formed. That match the hope of your calling. Lord, we surrender to who you are. And we ask you to begin to touch the areas of our life that we need a change in. But God, specifically in the area of firsts. Of making you first. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. And I want this to be a time between you and the Lord. That maybe in your life today you've said, God, you haven't been first in every area of my life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you've felt like you've walked with the Lord for a long time. But there's an area of your life that God's not the first in. Then I want you to look into his grace. And I want you to begin to allow hope to fill your heart. And just right as where you sit, right where you are, I want you to say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to turn this area of my life back toward your grace. And I'm asking you to touch this area of my life. I'm sorry that I tried to control this area in my own strength. Forgive me and set a new direction in my life. Begin to form an uphill habit in my life of putting you first. Father, if if anything today spoke to any person, Holy Spirit, give the grace and the strength in our lives to begin to set the time aside to make you first. Whether it's in our month, give the grace, let the grace come in families and marriages to begin to set aside the time at the beginning of the month to order our month in accordance with With making you first. God the first of our week. That God we give you the first of our week. And on that day we choose to worship. And we choose to rest. And let you begin to set the order for the week. The first of our day. God the first thing that we get out of bed. Let it be a time where we get up and say. God this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let our first thoughts be on you. And everything be shut out. God, so that you can begin to order our day. Because God, in all things, you are good and you are generous and you desire to bless us. So lead us in the blessing of your goodness as we make you first. I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? But I can have a couple of ministry team folks come up, Ronnie and Charlotte, y'all come on, up, please. Marla, are you all right to come up? Okay. You know, listen, I don't, I don't ever do this with our ministry teams, but today I think it's a special day. I'm saying this that. The folks that come up and they minister up here, they're not up here because necessarily I've asked them to, but they're up here because their hearts are filled with love toward you guys, and there is, um, especially in the areas that we've talked about today, there's a depth of wisdom through the grace of Jesus, not their own ability, through the grace of Jesus in, this, in these areas. And I know today, specifically, we want to pray with you for anything that you're walking through. Specifically, also, especially, I should say, if you're walking through a health-related issue, we want to pray for you. We want to believe with you that Jesus can touch any area of your physical flesh or your soul, anything, your future. But if you want to receive prayer this morning, I want to encourage you because, again, let me say this really quickly. I know we're short on time, but let me say this. I want to go back to this idea to say, listen, this isn't easy, but it's doable. It's attainable, but it's challenging. And sometimes the first thing that we have to do is that we have to come up and we have to say, God, I'm, I'm really ready. I, I want to come into agreement with somebody in your presence to say, this can change in my life. It can change in my life. And I know you can do this. And these are people here that love you, that will stand beside you, that will pray with you that will encourage you. So when I get done doing this, if that's you, I I really just step out in a bit of boldness and come and receive prayer. It's the first step in making God first, okay? So Father, I just declare your grace upon grace upon grace to everyone. Lord, we break any kind of condemnation from the enemy because all of us, have fallen to the hole. God, I have fallen into the hole more times than I can count. And it's only by your grace that you put me on a path and you continue to put me on a path when I fail. So God, I declare your grace. I declare your truth upon every person here in the name of Jesus, in the overwhelming love that you have for them. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you need prayer now, please come forward. If not, we'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. Have a great week.